Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on episode three of the High Tide podcast. On this episode, I am joined with Ryan Kitchen. Ryan is a jiu-jitsu teacher as well as a gym owner of Advantage Jiu-Jitsu in the Stevenson community. He and his wife have inspired and helped many people in our community to meet their fitness goals. In this episode, we cover the history of the sport, how jiu-jitsu can give us many skills necessary both on the mat and in life, and why it's a practice that is beneficial to anyone that engages in it, and much more. This episode, I tried something different and co-hosted with my partner, Sean Nolan, an avid student of the sport. And we have this awesome conversation with Ryan. At the end of this episode, please stay tuned for a special offer for our listeners. Thank you so much. And without further ado, here is our conversation. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm trying something a little bit different because I don't know very much about jujitsu and it's something that has always intrigued me and I've been interested in. So I am co-hosting with my partner, Sean Nolan, and we're going to run through a series of questions that will help me understand it a little bit better because I really want to learn more about the sport. I've noticed that people that do practice jujitsu are dedicated valiantly to it. Can you tell me a little bit about the history of jiu-jitsu and what intrigued you? Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me. I'd say the history of jiu-jitsu is kind of like a history of grappling. So there was a a Japanese judo kind of freestyle wrestler that was kind of traveling the world back in the early 1900s, kind of taking on any comers and like no rules matches. And uh, he finally ended up in uh, Brazil and they kind of took everything that they were doing and uh, kind of modified it a little bit with uh, a family full of brothers kind of all ended up training under him and modified the sport a bit. And it became uh, something completely different where it was less about throws and uh, pinning someone, which judo is, and it was more about uh, getting submissions and survival. So that's kind of the history of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So over the years, it kind of slowly found its way to America and to like all of the MMA cage fighting scene and kind of branched off into two separate realms. So there's like your jujitsu guys that want to be cage fighters. And then there's the uh, computer nerd chess players, guys like myself that just want to uh, man snuggle each other on the mats until someone quits. (laughs) So uh, I I kind of found it out of being 18 and thinking I wanted to get into cage fighting. And then after getting hit in the head a couple of times, I was kind of like, you know what? I think I'd rather just use my mind instead of my fists to uh, beat my opponents. So that's kind of what drew me to it. That's really cool. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's often compared to or been called like kinetic chess, uh, jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And I think the change happened when in Brazil, they started using less power and more technique and timing and leverage. Yeah, they were, they were definitely um, kind of using it. So it's like a small man could beat a big man. Exactly. But, yeah. uh, unfortunately, now there's a lot of big guys that know what they're doing. So it's very problematic. Yeah. But, uh, no, that was the idea. The idea was that if I knew what I was doing and I was a hundred pounds less than you, even if I wasn't able to win, I'd at least be able to survive. So, right. Survival. Yeah. Survival, right? Yeah. It's story of the white belt. Yeah. Story, story of the white belt. You can get into the belts later, but that's uh, <laughs> the, the white belt is just surviving. And then uh, I think that's, you can use the same analogy for a lot of things in life with the white belt is just surviving. They're just trying to wrap their head around what it is they're doing, whether it's cooking or accounting or anything like that and you can get all the way up to like mastery right yeah totally 100 percent. i still feel like i'm a white belt in a lot of a lot of areas so the question i have here for you is who in the world of like 
when we were taught jujitsu, we got our, our original sensei, but you know, as we learned more, we found out more characters and players in, in jujitsu. So who in, in every, everywhere in the world of jujitsu has inspired you the most? So I've got a favorite grappler, I've got a favorite jiu-jitsu guy, and then I've got someone that's inspired me. So I've got Gary Tonin. He's a uh, a black belt under John Danaher. People call him uh, everyone's favorite grappler because he always puts on really exciting matches. And yeah. He doesn't necessarily, like he wants to win, of course, but more than anything, he wants to leave with the fans being happy. So he's got a very kind of uh, acrobatic, explosive, flashy style. Whereas I would say someone that inspires me is actually uh, Keenan Cornelius, who just mm-hmm. opened up a school about a year and a half ago in San Diego. And he's kind of taking a lot of the uh, kind of like the martial arts mystique away from jujitsu and kind of making it like, hey, this is a sport. This is like, uh, you don't have to call me sensei. You don't have to like bow when you get on and off the mats. Like it's like any other sport. The teacher or the coach has like authority on the mats but other than that as soon as you step off everybody's equal i like that and uh yeah things like that right so it's kind of that's kind of someone who inspires me kind of goes around a lot of the norms of uh the business of jujitsu and and uh the competition of schools and things like that and kind of says like the more people doing jujitsu the better less barriers for people to get in the better it also sounds his approach sounds less intimidating as someone that like for myself that i want to try it that sounds like something that i'd be more in like comfortable entering well there's so many schools that they have all these rules like you have to come on the mat you got to bow if you come late you got to stay outside until they get invited in you got to buy their gi for 250 dollars oh, wow. for their membership like so many things like that it's like hey if you come late if you're working your job and you got to come late just come late like it's it's you're it's your, you're you're paying me not the other way around so exactly yeah yeah very casual approach yeah that's kind of someone someone i'd say if I, it inspires me right so, yeah cool. yeah yeah, I know them both. Well, I don't know them both, but I know of them both. Yeah, both great grapplers. And then what what drives you to keep you motivated throughout your practice? How do you keep how do you keep coming back to the mats? Like as you know, I've that's probably my issue is consistency and not like I'm not motivated because I do think about it every single day, but I just don't show up sometimes. But what keeps you motivated? First of all, not really having any other responsibilities. <laughs> like I know uh you you just had your your uh, son, so I'm sure you're tied up with a lot of other things so i can understand why you you think about coming but you can't yeah it's it's kind of for me it's like surfing so it's like you get those guys that wake up at five in the morning just to hit the waves before they go to work i kind of built my life around jujitsu in the sense that um i knew i always wanted to train at the noon class in the daytime so when i was picking courses in university or something like that i would pick the ones around so i could go to noon class when i was working jobs where i could book it off i just kind of always prioritize that so i can't really remember a time where i didn't so never really like i lost motivation but i know now my motivation is to stay ahead of the young guys in the game so i always used to be i'm sure sean you remember i was like the young guy in the class yeah Yeah. like the class was full of a bunch of 30 40 year old guys and i was the 18 20 year old kid in there so is that when you started ryan yeah, I was 18 when I started. So okay. I was kind of lucky in that respect because now I'm uh, only 32 and I'm uh, a pretty senior belt in the class. But there's some 22-year-old guys coming in now and it's like, okay, I remember what it was like when I was that guy. I got to stay ahead of them now. That's kind of what uh, what motivates me now. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's never too late. That's another thing too. Like when I joined, I was I think like 32 when I first started. Yeah, and I thought like, oh, why don't I get into this? I wish I got into this earlier, but it's never too late. 
No, it's definitely never too late. And and again, I'm just fortunate I started early. Like it's it's I'm the anomaly. I'm not the rule. Right. Like most most guys find the sport in their late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. It's uh, kind of rare for guys to start as early as I did. Do you find that as a teacher, and because you, I know that at Advantage Jiu Jitsu, you're teaching also, but do you find that when they come in younger, do they come with ego? And if so, like, how do you, how do you teach them to get out of that? Or is that involved a lot in the sport? It's person to person. So I wouldn't say it's by age. There's lots of guys that come in that are older that have a big ego. And a lot of times they don't last because when you're starting out, you're going to get beat and you're going to have someone physically dominating you and you don't have an answer for it. So a lot of times when that happens repeatedly, if you've got a big ego, it kind of makes you not want to show up to class or makes you kind of want to stop coming. With the younger guys, more than ego, it's more uh, like tenacity where they come from playing football or they come from playing hockey or something and they think like, hey, I'm just going to like go 100% at this guy. Whereas um, a lot of the older guys are a little bit more kind of cautious, a little bit more measured in their approach. I would say that's more the, the difference with age. A lot of times you're going to get guys in that might be in their 40s and, and have a huge ego. They might be lawyers, they might be some big high-powered stockbroker right. or something like that. And uh, those are usually the guys you see humbled pretty quickly and, and uh, only last a couple of weeks, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I remember back when I was like, or a later white belt, I guess uh, our old teacher would purposely find new guys that would, he can read them and be like, okay, this guy is ready to go, kind of like a big ego. And he would purposely match them up with an unassuming white belt, like me and myself. And like he said, they, they would, they would, their ego would be checked at the door. They, they, I would either would understand what it's about or not come back because they were. Well, do, you, do you remember Saul Calavari? I'll give him a little bit of a shout out here. Do you remember Saul? Yeah. 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 So he was, he's, he's, a, he's too much of a man now. I think he's in his twenties now. Yeah. But he used to be that for me. It was like, you'd get a big, strong 40 year old guy come in and you give him this uh, small little 16 year old kid that ties him up in a knot. Right. Yes. So that's kind of a, a nice humbler. Totally. And I love that. I love that about it, that they, these guys would kind of be shown. I can see that their eyes open up when they, they, they're going to wrestle a guy well, like e- me. Even Sarah, I know you're going to mention Sarah later. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, like Sarah's, that's one of my favorite things about Sarah. You, th- you watch a class with a young 25-year-old, 150-pound guy, and within 30 seconds, Sarah's got him underneath <laughs> him, and uh, he's, he's gasping for air, right? So That's so awesome. I mean, yeah. it sounds like you learn a lot of humility, and it humbles you, which is so great because there's so many areas in your life that we can apply that to. Actually, that, that's that's literally the reason I kept coming back. I remember my first class where I was able to grapple very distinctively. And it was like a 16-year-old kid choked me out. And I, I remember driving home. I was so upset and angry at myself. But the last drive of myself home, I, I realized if this kid can choke me out, I'm a grown-ass man. All I have to do is learn what he has to learn. And then I can be done. You know? So that kind of motivated exactly. me. It, it was crazy how how my emotions switched in that you know, 10 minute drive home where I was angry, then I was inspired. And that's where the, the, the guys with the ego don't come back. They just, exactly. leave, they just yeah. leave pouting. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. They never turn that page. Yeah. In your bio, when I was researching you, I learned that your mother was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor and jujitsu was a positive escape from the weight that came with that. How did it inspire you to get through what must have felt like such a challenging time? Because I've also experienced that loss in my life. So I know how heavy it is. And I never really knew how to like, I never really had an outlet for it. So it's cool to hear that jujitsu was that for you. How did it help you? 
Just a little bit of a backstory. My mother had her first brain tumor when I was only like three years old. And oh, wow. uh, she had she had a successful surgery. And then it came back when I was about 12. And uh, was dealing with that for about 10 years until unfortunately, she passed away. So I found jujitsu after high school. So when I was in high school, kind of everyone that knew me knew the deal, right? Everybody knew, oh, yeah, my mom's got cancer, and my mom's sick and stuff. Yeah, excuse me. Finding a group of, of people that um, just know you as like, hey, Ryan, the jujitsu guy, kind of mm-hmm. was a nice, a little bit of an escape. Yeah. Right? You, uh, you have your group of friends that kind of you can rely on for emotional support. And then you also have your kind of group of guys that you can go to and uh, have two hours of the day where you don't really have the chance to think about anything else. Because when someone's trying to choke you or try and pin you down and you don't really have time to think, be feel sorry for yourself or think about um, negative things going on. You kind of have to be in the moment. Right. And then after the fact, having a bunch of guys just kind of hanging out in the mats and uh, talking about sports or the current events or something like that. It was just kind of a nice uh, escape from the, the monotony of dealing with uh, doctor's visits and just, yeah, having to see someone in decline. So it was, uh, Kind of like you, you cry in the car on the way there. And then once you show up, it's like, okay, it's time to wrestle. And then you leave feeling like, okay, I'm in a completely different mindset now because uh, I've been distracted and had a new uh, goal to work on. Leave feeling accomplished because of something you did right or leave feeling like, oh, there's something I got to work on and I can actually put positive energy towards versus feeling like I'm uh, not like incapable of helping, right? Like something that's just completely out of my hands. It's like, okay, now I've taken on a task where I can see my progress, see positive gains, get new problems that I can actually handle and have solutions for. So I think that was a a really big uh, factor in helping me. And then um, also just having uh, a a new goal that was 100% mine. Like not like a goal that's like, hey, I've got to accomplish this degree to get this job or I've got to... uh, take this course to then be able to do XYZ thing. It was like, Hey, I chose this. I chose this path. I chose this for myself. So that was kind of a little freeing too. I love that you were able to take that and translate it into something positive in your life because it's, I know that it could be so hard in a time when everything feels so cloudy. Do you feel like you brought a lot of that energy, like the stress to the mat? I'm sure Sean can attest to it. I'm a pretty laid back guy. I don't yeah. have a lot of a lot of crazy stress in my life. I would say more than bringing the stress to the mat, I brought the relief from the mental tax of of seeing seeing someone you love declining, or or just yeah. um, the reality of knowing like, hey, this is a uh, this is what your situation is. It was right. kind of like a chance of uh, like uh, if I was holding my breath underwater all day, waiting to get my head out. It was like jujitsu was the chance that I can like pull my head up above water and like breathe for a little bit, and then. I got to dive back down at the end of class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I can relate to that a hundred percent. That seems like times in my life where I've been, I guess, hurting or declined. I've, I've always reached for jujitsu to try to help me kind of get back up. Yeah, it, no, it, is, it is like a cleansing, you know, like you compared it to, like you made an analogy before with surfing. And to me, it's, they're very correlated. Like I love them too. Like they're very twins like that. They, they both have a release for me, as far as like, um, you're in the moment, that's all you think about. Everything else washes away and you, you, you leave the ocean, you leave the mats feeling kind of revived. 
And the community is so supportive too. Like I, I'm very happy with the community we fostered, but I think just the jujitsu community in general, someone shows up with a problem uh, and if they really needed to just sit down on the side of mats and talk to someone, I think 99% of most guys in most jujitsu classes would just sit on the sidelines with you for five minutes and just hear your problem. Absolutely. It's kind of a, yeah. a nice way that way. Whereas on the basketball courts at the pickup uh, game, I don't know if you're getting the same kind of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, as you know, I'm good friends with Sarah and being partners with Sean. I, I've talked to them both on separate occasions about the sport and both of them have reiterated the importance of mindset and how they correlate that to their practice. How would you say my, what's the mindset factor involved for you? And what, how do you carry it when you're on the mat or about to enter a competition? I would say the mindset for me, most of all is I'm in a position now, like it changed. So when I was a lower belt, I was winning a lot of competitions. The like I was a, a big fish in a small pond type of thing. I was able to kind of achieve a lot of victories and competition and achieve my goals that way. Uh once I kinda kinda hit higher belt, higher level and the uh pool of local competitors got smaller and I had to kind of start going down to the States to compete and things I kinda opened my eyes to uh how I'm probably never going to be a jiu-jitsu world champion unless I hold on to my like my late 40s and compete in the 40 plus division. <laughs> um, so my goal now is just to lead by example. So if I'm showing it, if I'm constantly telling everyone they got to get out there, they got to compete, like it makes you so much better. You learn so much more from a win or a loss in competition than you would in class. If I'm saying that and I'm not actually doing it myself, then I, I feel I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. Right. So I feel I kind of have to go into competitions for that reason. And then on top of that, if it's just something like Northwest Coast area, I probably know, I'd say 75% of the guys I'm going to compete against anyway. So ego-wise or reputation-wise or anything like that, things really on the line because everybody knows each other. So, so it's, it's that tight-knit like of a community. Yeah, it's a tight knit community. And then the, there's only so many people that compete. Like I would say less than 10% of people that train jujitsu compete. Really? So when you think only 1% of guys are black belts and only 10% of those black belts compete, it's a pretty small pool of, of guys competing. So I kind of know based on the bracket, I'm like, Oh, I could win this match. I'm probably going to lose this one. Uh, if I get lucky, I could beat this guy. I could, I kind of know in advance, but, um, fortunately now they're making a whole bunch of really new, competitions like there's a competition coming up in august that i was hoping to get into as like a a wrestling tag team match and things like that so no kidding. it kind of oh. uh it kind of makes a new motivation to compete so that's my, i guess my my motivation unfortunately i'm not a uh a pie in the sky i'm gonna go down to california and win the world championships guy unfortunately <laughs> have you ever been like brought that mentality with you to the mat thinking you knew the ego and the um, capability of an opponent and then been caught off guard or really surprised? If anything, I usually surprise myself. So cool. I'd say yeah. I compete up to the level of my competition, usually. If if it's a match where I have the ego and I think, oh, I'm going to just dominate this guy, it oftentimes it doesn't go my way. If I kind of go into it thinking like, oh, yeah, if I do XYZ thing, I might have a chance at winning and I manage to hold on for a lot longer than I thought I could. That's usually what ends up happening, but right. um, 
I, I would say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wild card when it comes to competition. If I have a good day, I'm going to be good. If I have a, <laughs> a bad day, it's going to end poorly. <laughs> but, Keeping everyone on their toes. Yeah. How would you say the mindset could apply in life outside of the mat? And do you have an example of that? I would say the biggest thing is not having an ego. So yeah. when I go into a competition, I'm well aware of my abilities and that in all likelihood, I could end up losing in 30 seconds. I'm hoping that's not going to be the case, but I'm kind of <laughs> accepting that as that could be a result. So because of that, it makes me more aware of a lot of decisions in the rest of my life where like well, yeah. in, biz- in business, for example, it's like, hey, don't try and be in competition. Well, again, I would say the biggest thing, the mindset I would take is avoiding competition, not right. in the sense of like jujitsu, but in the sense of your life. If you can work together versus competing with other people, it's, it's beneficial for both parties, right? Yeah. So it, whether it's in business, in life with your partner, in friendship, anything like that. All relationships. Um, yeah. All relationships, all, all kind of facets that you can think of. I think working together collaboration is always best. So even a jujitsu competition is really a collaboration, right? It's like all of us deciding we're all going to come meet at this one place and test our skills against each other. So they should really call them jujitsu collaborations, not competitions. <laughs> I love that you said that. And as you were speaking, it made me think of a quote that is from an African proverb and it goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, mm-hmm. go together. And yeah. so that really resonated with me. Do you want to add anything to that, babe? No, no. I Well, I agree in a sense. Like I think when... You know, back in the old days of jujitsu, it was very competitive as far as like from school to school. But then as slowly cross training, people started going to other gyms. And I think the sport really took off uh, as a result of that. People learning, being uh, creative and, and opening doors and, you know, untying the secrets. I think YouTube helped a lot too. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So in jujitsu, a lot of people love it for different reasons. Like some it's purely physical. For some, it's more of a mental you're learning something. Some for some people even take it like philosophical or spiritually. What is it about jujitsu that draws you back, that reels you in? I don't know if it was just like I'm a grappler at heart. Like I was before I was even doing jujitsu, I was uh watching the UFC and I always found it really funny. Well, not funny, but just interesting how guys could almost outsmart their opponents. Like they would win by submission and it would be like they were outsmarting them. They weren't just dominating them. They weren't knocking them out. They were outsmarting. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I always really, that really resonated with me. And once I actually stepped on the mats for like the first or second time, I just kind of equate it to someone that uh, kind of takes heroin for the first time. And it's like, oh yeah, this is my drug. This is like, <laughs> this is what I, this is what I want to do right now. This yeah, is like, yeah. this, uh, I'm down with this. So pretty much from day one, I think within the first six months of my self training, I probably was training five days a week. So it was one of wow. those like immediate, immediate, like I'm this, I'm in love with this. I just yeah. can't understand it. I can't explain it. It just is what it is. Yeah. 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 I remember that feeling too. That feeling so of love was, so much for Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I can't explain it. It doesn't yeah. make sense really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, I don't really have an answer for you. What keeps drawing me back? Cause I've never really quit, but yeah, I can't, I can't remember a day when we weren't training, like even taking a couple weeks off. It's like I get grumpier. I'm more, I'm more, uh, I don't know. 
So yeah, you, you could say, cause I, I sometimes say surfing makes me a better human being. Would you say like in that, in that regard, like what benefits do you carry with jujitsu through the rest of your lifestyle and, and how does it impact you and your life the most? Well, I think like, again, the, getting back to the ego thing, having no ego, I think it's huge. Yeah. I think it makes me a better partner to my wife. I think it makes me a better friend. I think it makes me a better jujitsu instructor, but carrying things through, I think it just kind of, is a nice big stress reliever where it's mm-hmm. like you get to take out all that kind of angry, nervous energy. You get to deal with a little bit of adversity, a little bit of triumph. So you kind of, kind of balances you out. If you were missing something in your day, you can kind of find it. Totally. Was there ever a point in your life that you felt like you would leave the sport? Uh, not yet, but um, <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've heard a couple guys that have had issues with concussions or injuries and things like that so i understand why but i'll I'll cross that bridge when i get to it (laughs) good answer (laughs) i hear that you guys are beginning a women's program and as a woman i really love this because i always associated jujitsu as like a male dominated sport so can you tell me about that and why you think it's important for it to be offered at your gym uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say I think lady, the ladies only program uh, is a big kind of for, for me as a business. It's a big uh, missed opportunity to not offer it because right. having someone that's interested in training come into a class full of a bunch of sweaty guys probably is not going to feel like they're welcomed. So if, <laughs> yeah. they, if they have a class where they feel like they're welcomed, it just gives me an extra avenue to kind of uh, pass on the martial art. I would say for self-defense, for women especially, it's probably the best martial art aside from like track and field or something like that. Because uh, <laughs> it's it's in, in most terrible situations, you're going to end up dealing with someone bigger and stronger than you. You're going to possibly be on the ground. There's so many reasons why it's a really good martial art for women. And if, again, we've got a really great resource and your friend Sarah... Yeah, uh, who's a, a brown belt? So it's how do you pronounce her last name? Sarah Sakai. Sakurai. 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 Yeah, she's an amazing uh, kind of example of uh, what women can do with the sport, and to have her kind of helping teach the program and and helping give a women's perspective on uh, jujitsu, I think is a a huge kind of just resource to getting people in, and then once. You see, okay, you don't have to be too scared about getting into a hugging match with someone on the ground. Then maybe you'll branch out and you'll show up to one of the guys' classes now and then, and then you'll slowly bring your friend and uh, becomes kind of a game you play rather than it be this big, scary fighting competition. Yeah, I've tried kickboxing in the past. And one thing that intimidated me so much, it was a co-ed gym, but there was just so many males around and they just looked big and strong. And the women looked super strong too. But I think a part of it too is not having the awareness of the sport. And lucky for me, I work with Sarah. So I hear about it literally all day long. Every day. I'm sure, yeah. Every day it's, if it's not food, it's jujitsu. And yeah. she is spreading the word so much about it. And I think it's amazing because I hear so many more women coming out of their chairs with like great hair, more intrigued about Brazilian jujitsu. So it's so cool that she's starting that program. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I'm just happy that she's um, open to it because like I said, she's a great example of uh, the sport. 
for sure. Um, with the pandemic, I think it's slowly coming to an end-ish. <laughs> I know that the last chunk of time was really challenging for a lot of small businesses. How did you guys stay positive and thrive throughout a time when a lot of people suffered? Well, with the jiu-jitsu gym, it was difficult. I was able to do some privates. Like there's a couple of people that had their small training groups of a friend or two that were training together and stuff, but it was more kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we had only been open for six months prior to the pandemic. So advantage was, yeah. So yeah. because of that, we were in a situation we were kind of like, Hey, we were seeing the ramp up. We were seeing the uh, increase in membership. So we just thought, Hey, if we can make it through this, then uh, once we're on the other side, well, the floodgates are going to open and, all those people that were coming in hopefully come back. And then everyone that was feeling that loss of human touch and connection hopefully looks to jujitsu to find it back again <laughs> rather than uh, match.com or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because I know that Sophie, your wife, has a gym, True Conditioning, which you guys got a bigger space now, right? Where is it? It's on Chatham? Is it's it? on uh, One Road in Chatham. Yeah, I think One Road in Chatham. Chatham. Yeah. So, that, so that's even two gyms you guys kept open, which is amazing. And Sophie, honestly, she was a, like a rock star when it came to um, all of the uh, COVID stuff. She had online classes up within a week. We loaned out equipment. We did deals where people could transfer some of their group membership into personal training or even like one personal training and a couple online training sessions. Like we, we worked with our members as best we could and we really saw a big kind of reciprocation of appreciation from our from our members and then with steve nash and some of the other big gyms in the area closing we actually saw a big uptick in at least the personal training side of our our business Mm -hmm. so she was able to pivot really really quickly and like i i was honestly not jealous but like i think she was jealous of me the fact that i pretty much just had to put my hands up and say hey there's nothing i can do she was slaving away changing her business model every couple months based on the protocols that were changing. So that's awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. She really, really crushed it. I think she did probably, in my opinion, the best job of any of the gym owners in the lower mainland. So yeah, that's everyone cool. knows about true conditioning. So that's when true conditioning opened back on when it was on first Avenue and you guys were just a tiny little studio. And I think mm-hmm. Winston was just a puppy. Cause I remember mm-hmm. everyone was obsessed yeah. with your guys's dog. Yeah. And you guys have, been in the business for years and years. So it's really cool. And I actually heard her podcast on Brayden Rala's purpose. Living a Purpose. Yes. Yeah. And you can tell she's just like a beacon of light. So it's cool to see her in the industry because that is so impactful when it comes to wanting to create a change. Like you can tell that she's very positive and it's not just about body image. Oh, yeah. So you so are like a power couple in the health and fitness. I'm I'm Sophie's the power power owner. I'm just the uh, supporting leg, pretty much. <laughs> I've I've learned throughout the years. I'm sure, I don't know if you remember our place on First Avenue. Unfortunately, I don't remember you from First Avenue. So you're gonna have to come in, and we'll have to see each other. Yes, again. for sure. But on when we had our place on First Avenue, Sophie had just left her job at Lululemon, and it was just the two of us running the show. And we would bicker and fight about so many things, and every single thing I was fighting her on, I was wrong pretty much. So now I <laughs> kind of just throw my hands up like, you're right. Just tell me what to do. Okay, you really I'll have checked it. your ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not even checking my ego. It's just being proven wrong so many times that I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'll just listen. Now. Well, it sounds like you guys really complement each other. So that's really awesome. Maybe you could tell me a bit more about you and Sophie's journey and what you hope to achieve with your businesses, especially after going through such a challenging time in COVID. I'm sure you guys picked up 
new things that you want to apply to make it even greater than it already is? Yeah. So, well, with Advantage Jiu-Jitsu, the, the main goal is just to try and build the business. I was fortunate enough to partner with Evan Duran from Pacific Top Team. We were good friends before all this COVID stuff happened. We've been friends for probably five years now. And when I was going to open up, actually, my, my second option, aside from my business partner that I opened up with, was to ask him to try and partner. And when his lease came up during COVID, I kind of said, hey, the option's still on the table. We could kind of work at this together. So our goal is to try and build up to be pretty much the, the premier um, jiu-jitsu gym. We have striking too. So premier jiu-jitsu striking gym in Richmond, even though we're not really trying to have the goal of training professional fighters or anything like that, just kind of being a uh, community hub of uh, kids and parents and people that want to train and, and be around nice people. With true conditioning, I know Sophie's really trying to push the um, healthy lifestyle kind of holistic fitness hub kind of idea. So we have a partnership with our physio, Melina. She runs True Physio and Pilates out of our space. So any of our clients that need physio help get that directly there. They have uh, massage therapy as well, personal training, nutrition, group classes, Pilates, all the all the kind of bells and whistles. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop for your uh, health and fitness needs. That's awesome. And then, all under um, one roof. Yeah, all under one roof and all in connection with each other. So if you have a physio appointment, the physio talks with your personal trainer who talks with your massage therapist. So everybody's on the same page. Oh, that's that's cool. a huge deal. Yeah. That's very awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's, that's, uh, that's the goal for that place. And then she's actually opening up another gym right now, Sophie. She's oh. partnered with her weightlifting coach, her Olympic lifting coach. They're opening up a gym at, um, Ironwood named United Barbell Academy. Wow. And that gym's goal is to be a um, kind of Olympic lifting and like strength training gym. So if true conditioning was like a high intensity hit soul cycle style, everybody leaves dripping and sweat gym, the uh, mm-hmm. United Barbell is meant to be like a more strength oriented, like people wanting to do Olympic lifting, power lifting, coming for strength training. Cool. Good for you guys. Yeah. How do you balance all of that? <laughs> we don't really balance it, honestly. We kind of. <laughs> see each other in pass and we pass like ships in the night a lot of the time um, but i don't know sophie uh pretty much is is the uh just on it all the time managing a million things so she's she's the one that's managing it all i'm kind of just the supporter so she's the uh she's the driving force i think we're well. all supporters as the males in the relationship <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So yeah, I noticed that you and Sophie got another bulldog uh, named Sensei. Maybe some people out there don't know what a Sensei is. Maybe give them a little little education on what a Sensei is and what to you makes a good Sensei. What makes a good Sensei or make my dog a good Sensei? No. Yeah, what makes a good Sensei? <laughs> so we, we call them Sensei is like a bit of a joke, honestly, because um, there's a lot of like martial arts instructors that take themselves way too seriously. So we've, we thought if people come in the gym and it's like, that's the Sensei over there, the Bulldog. Yeah. It kind of like puts everybody at ease immediately, takes all the tension out of the conversation. Totally. I would say what makes a good Sensei, well, people call me professor, actually. Like, uh, there's no, there's no word for, uh, teacher in Portuguese. So somehow jujitsu guys get to like flex their ego and call themselves professor. Ah, uh, you from? I was wondering why professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but honestly, a good, a good instructor and a good student, I would say are both equally committed to each other's growth. So 
I would say as a good instructor, my goal is to help my students grow as much as possible. And as a good student, their goal should be to ask me as many questions as they, as they can so that I can be a better instructor. Right. I love that. Totally. Sarah, who's going to lead your women's program, she's actually training me right now about four and a half months postpartum. And she applies the same thing where it's really important to her that I understand why I'm doing the things I'm doing. So our workouts are often fueled with questions too, because she really wants like that corrective like she wants your form to be good before you actually get good within it. If that makes any sense. No, of course. And, and, um, that makes sense with, with pretty much all the training we do. Like, um, at true conditioning, we use the TRX all the time. Yeah. So yeah. They kind of like, if you haven't been familiar with it, it's like a, a set of straps that you can do a whole bunch of different exercises with like but, suspension, um, suspension training, suspension training. Yeah. So we always say like, if you can't do it right without the straps, once you put yourself into the difficult positions with the straps, you're going to be completely lost, right? So if you don't understand what you're doing, it's it's going to be that much harder to actually progress. Right. What would you say you're most proud of and what is the bravest thing you've ever done? Okay. So you actually made me look at bravery because of this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I would say, I would say I'm most proud of, honestly... I I thought of a couple things. So I thought of I'm proud of my like true conditioning in the business and everything like that. But I would say I'm most proud of the fact that I can admit where my what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. So I'm a good instructor. I'm a good kind of I don't I don't know how to say it, but like entrepreneur in the sense that I can I see where the risks are, I see where the flaws are in things. Implementing a game plan is not necessarily my strength. Following through on sales is not necessarily my strength. So being able to kind of see see where I'm I'm strong and where I weak where I'm weak, I'd say is is my uh, what I'm most proud of because I for years would would think I could take on more than I I could and it ended up disappointing myself all the time. So I'm right. proud that I can actually just say like, hey, you know what? This is something that I need help with, and this is something that I uh, am not the best at. The bravest thing here. Let me pull up my definition of bravery. So, uh, having uh, <laughs> having or showing metal or moral strength in the face of danger, fear, or difficulty, having or showing courage as a brave soldier is different than showing courage. And courage is like going into something in the face of fear. So, like bravery would be defining a courageous act versus right. the act of confronting a fear. Right. So, I would say the bravest moment I've had is is helping my grandparents after my mother passed away. So it was a, like it was, it was courageous for me to have to deal with it. But retroactively, I think that's the, uh, the bravest moment of my life. That's amazing. Everything you said to makes me feel like you would be such a great leader because you're able to identify your strengths and weaknesses and, and ask for help and direction, which only makes you stronger, which essentially makes your team stronger, which is wonderful. Because I think a lot of people in that position don't always do that and they feel like they have to take on the most. So recognizing when you do need help is actually makes you stronger. Yeah. And honestly, it, uh, it took me a long time to kind of come to that realization. So that's, that's what I would say. That's what I'm most proud of. That's, that's amazing. What would you, because this podcast in the, in the name of bravery is about going beyond our comfort zone and being courageous, what advice would you give someone at, with all the life experience you've had with your, with the advantage jujitsu gym and true conditioning and 
having an awesome relationship with your partner, Sophie, what advice would you give to someone that was afraid to go beyond their comfort zone? Um, well, you can always go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can always go back to your comfort zone. Right? <laughs> so, so really don't, don't be afraid of going. It's like uh, being afraid of jumping into a cold pond. You can always jump out. I would say the biggest thing is, is think of if you hadn't done it, would you regret it? So if, if uh, you had this decision on your mind and you've been thinking about it for a while and you haven't done it, are you going to regret it? And that can take place a million different ways, right? Really? Do you regret buying this car? You want to buy this car, but you don't. Would you regret it or not? Are you in this relationship that you're happy with? Are you not? Are you going to regret it? Is this, do you want to leave your job you're in? Are you going to regret it if you do? Like, right. I would say just kind of weigh that. And if the answer is like, hey, you know what? I'm probably not going to regret it more than not taking this choice and bond in, go for it. Yeah, 100%. You don't want to be looking back and say, I could have done that, but I just didn't try. I always like to say, if it's a decision you, you're kind of tossed on, flip a coin, give one result heads, one result tails. If the coin lands and you want to say, hey, let's make it best two out of three, you probably want to be other choice. Yeah. Very Interesting. Good. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, at that point, you're trying to talk yourself out of it. Yeah. Well, to wrap this up, why don't you tell everyone where we can find you and Sophie and how do we sign up? The whole shebang. The whole shebang. Okay. So for Advantage Jiu-Jitsu, the best thing is just to go to advantagejujitsu.ca. There's my email on there. If anybody wants to ask me a question, if you want to book yourself into a class without even asking any questions, there's a book now link. It just forces you to make a profile and that has our waiver on it and all the fun stuff. And that'll allow you to book your first class in free. And you're more than welcome to come to any class. We do have fundamentals classes and uh, advanced classes. Everybody's allowed at every class. Whatever fits your schedule, just uh, come on in. We're lucky enough to have a really large amount of higher ranked guys. So if you're a person coming in, it's pretty much like a free private lesson for you coming to any class. And then with True Conditioning, the best way to do it is the same thing, trueconditioning.com. There's a schedule a consultation link. So if you're a first time member or you've never seen the TRX or heard of it or just want to know what it's all about, you can book a consultation. A trainer will give you a one-on-one session and then kind of explain all the classes, all the options of all the membership things we have there. United Barbell, I can't remember what their website is. I think it's United Barbell club.com i don't don't get me wrong on this sophie's gonna get angry at me for this that's okay we can put Uh, the right links in the show notes after (laughs) if if you search if you search united barbell club in richmond it's it's definitely going to come up they're opening up august 1st 2021 so that'll be up and going and that's for anyone looking for olympic lifting or just general strength training yeah i can't can't think of anything else we'll offer a free month membership for the first 10 responders to this podcast that uh, oh amazing kinda, Thank you, ryan yeah so i would say mention that you heard it on the high tide the, podcast. the, the, the high tide right yeah high tide podcast yeah. so yeah men- mention that you heard it on the podcast in the email that you sent to either true conditioning united barbell or advantage jiu-jitsu and we'll give you a free month's membership wow, um, for the first 10 and so then cool. uh yeah, that's kind of all I have. I have a really nice quote that uh, I wouldn't mind sharing with you guys. If uh, I love a good quote. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, so this, this is a, a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. And I think it speaks to not only kind of jujitsu and martial arts, but kind of life in general. And, and when you said your podcast was about bravery, this is like 
first quote that came to my mind. So excuse my uh, dyslexia when I try and read this, if I, if I stumble through it, but it says, um, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how a strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, but because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But know who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the greatness of enthusiasms and great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, who at their best knows the end of the triumph and the high achievement, or at their worst knows the fails of the feat. But at least they fail valiantly, daring greatly, so that the place shall never be with those cold, timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I loved that. Yes, I have goosebumps. Brother, I'm tearing up. That's literally <laughs> one of that's like my top three quotes. That's the arena, man. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, well, at least we're on the same page with that one. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I didn't stumble my way through it too badly. No, I, that's one of my favorite quotes. And I really, really appreciate you ending it with that because it's a very powerful message. So Ryan, thank you so much for being our guest today. And uh, I can't wait to try the women's program. I'm so convinced just even based on the whole mindset thing, which I I love so much. So I wish you and Sophie so much success, but I already know that you guys are doing amazing things in the community and I cannot wait to see what unfolds for both of you. Well, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, anything else, anyone wants to reach out to me, just let me know. The best uh, contact for me is just info at advantagejujitsu.ca. And I'm more than happy to answer anyone's questions on jujitsu, or even if you're just trying to get a hold of Sophie and you can't, just contact me and I'll pass the message along. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes too. So we'll make sure you and Sophie are reachable. Thanks, Ryan. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Danny. I'll see you on the Okay. Have a good one. Sounds good. See ya. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Ryan Kitchen as much as I enjoyed recording it. After having that conversation, I was even more intrigued and did sign up for the women's program that they're offering along with other women in my community. And it's pretty awesome. I'm not sure if you caught it at the end, but Ryan and Sophie do have a special offer for the first 10 listeners that sign up at Advantage True Conditioning or United Barbell Club. They will receive one free month at any of those gyms as long as they mention that they listened to this offer on the High Tide podcast of this episode. It is really awesome what Ryan and Sophie are doing for our community. And if you're ever in the Steveson area, pop on into any one of their gyms and introduce yourself. Say hi to Sensei and Winston. On my next episode, episode four, I am joined with a writer who has truly inspired me. I came across her while on my own journey of change and transition into parenthood. Her name is Emma Tate. Her words are captivating and have touched so many. She empowers others to stand in their authenticity as they navigate life. Join me on our conversation and tune in next time 